Let's go! What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Bingetown TV. My name is Kyle, joined by Kathleen and Luke to discuss episode 7 of House of the Dragon, titled Driftmark. So this is a lot of juicy, juicy material from the book. Um, a lot of crazy stuff happened in this episode. There were obviously some changes from the book. I think they nailed every single one of them, for the most part, I guess. And it's still early because the IMDb ratings kind of take some time to level out. But right now, I'm fairly confident this will end up being the highest rated episode of the season so far. Obviously, episode nine and 10 are usually big dogs, but I think I agree with that assessment. Um, we got a little bit of everything. You know, we got intrigue, we got fighting, a, l- a little bit of laughs personally. Um, I think the only bad thing was really the fact that, again, it's just so dark. I don't know why. And it's Miguel, again, he directed The Long Night, that's episode in season eight that was crazy dark. I don't know what his deal is with that shit, but that was the only real negative I found. Overall, I just love the episode. So I think it was the best episode of the season. Um, hey. I rewatched it and I was just, it felt like I was watching it for the first time again at the level of excitement I had for it. Um, you said it well, like there was everything you could ask for. This was peak political intrigue, not just for Game of Thrones, for any type of show. It was awesome. There were there were consequences that, that played out. There were twists that we didn't see coming. And we're finally setting the stage where, we're going to have team black versus team green. And it does finally feel like all the pieces are going to be set. I know we have one more time jump once we get to next episode. So I think episode eight will have all of our actors. The players will be there. And it really feels like we're, we're gearing up to, to the start of the dance of the dragons. And besides the laughably bad lighting in this episode, and it was, it was bad. Like I, I lost some enjoyment of the episode because of it, but because of what happens on screen, it was so good that it overcame it and it didn't, you know, I'm not someone that cares that much about the cinematography as much as the writing and the plot and stuff. So I, it doesn't bother me that much, but it was very, very noticeable. It's like, I don't care about the cinematography, but I need to be able to see it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but I I noticed the choices. This is just falling off my head. I noticed <laughs> the choices that they were making to make it look like, OK, it's getting later in the day. Like this is one full day. So they wanted to make it look like night. I actually didn't have much trouble seeing it on my TV. I watched it in the pitch black with Alex today during my rewatch during the day. I was like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. So I I guess like also like the better your TV is probably. But um, are you trying to say that you have better TVs than we do? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) Okay, I watch on my laptop, so. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm usually like watching shit on my phone, so that would really affect me. But um, <laughs> but yeah, this was a good episode. Like we found out a couple of things where we I was kind of like bitching or wanted from last season or last episode. Like what's Corliss and Rainice going to say about the fact mm-hmm. that these kids have dark hair and don't look anything like Lenor or like why didn't Lenor and Rainier try to have kids themselves? And we find out they did. So there's a lot of things that got answered. The kids fucking slap i love them yeah the scene though they're beating each other up is like so classic i was just so proud of those little actors for slaying that um but mm-hmm. the end scene is like the bread and butter right? it's just i mean not end scene i guess the end drift mark scene but that's mm-hmm. not even true whatever go on. yeah <laughs> one last right. thing i'll say before we can start like going through the episode is it was very nice to finally focus in on our targaryens and it feels weird to say that but besides damon and rhaenyra we really haven't gotten any of them. Like even like Laris and Otto who are in this episode. And I love 
they didn't get any screen time. And Viserys, who we've spent a lot of screen time with in these first six episodes, took a back seat. So it was really good for me to finally see these other Targaryens and us to focus on the House of the Dragon. Like, it feels like we haven't been doing that yet. And that's why this episode felt like it was completing the prologue of season one. For sure. For sure. So we'll move. So we'll begin the episode with the Valerian funeral. So we have Lena's funeral. And if you're listening to this episode, you can't see us, but we're all wearing black in mourning for Lena and uh, for, I think, another reason, which we'll probably talk about at the end of the episode. In the funeral, uh, Vaymond, her uncle, is giving the speech, which I just thought was interesting that he was chosen to give it. The reason is that the things that he actually says, he's really throwing some pot shots in High Valyrian here, which the concept of that is fucking hilarious that only the real ones will actually know what he's saying. He mentions that uh, Lena had two true-born daughters saying that salt courses through Valerian blood, ours runs thick, ours runs true, and ours must never thin. Damon starts laughing at that because Damon knows exactly what he's doing. He's kind of saying that Rhaenyra's kids are not Valerians, and it's very obvious. That's kind of the, the actual crux mm-hmm. of the entire episode. And they just throw in a little bit more Aegon characterization here. He just kind of gives a little – he's clearly bored at all of this. And it's just, it, it was honestly a perfect scene to open this episode with. Yeah. I don't have much to add because you're right. Like I was a little confused about Damon's life the first watch, but it makes a lot more sense when you're, when you're going through it the second time, I thought he was just being like his emotionally like stunt itself yeah. kind yeah, of, sure. but thankfully it was more like, go fuck yourself. Like I, I know you're, what you're doing here. And he, you can tell in hindsight, like he cares deeply about Rhaenyra. So I don't even think he likes his little jabs at her. Uh, but I wanted to say though, a lot of these Valerian traditions remind me a lot of the Greyjoys. I know they're both like sea based. Um, have we ever, has there been anything in history where they kind of interacted or is this like, are they found it from a common ancestor or something? Or is this just a complete coincidence that the Corliss and the, the Greyjoys have these sea things? I think it's a coincidence in terms of kind of like the origins of their houses. The Greyjoys live on the Iron Islands. They live on yeah. islands. They have to sail the seas. The Valerians, I guess, are more like honorable versions of the Greyjoys in that way. Mm-hmm. Like they're knights, adventurers, while the Greyjoys are, you know, reavers and pillagers. Gotcha. The actor who plays Vaymond says like he did three months of prep for that scene wow. just because he wanted to make sure he knew that Valerian, Ovalerian backwards and could do it on the day. And um, from all the behind the scenes stuff, it looks like with the older actors, this was the first scene they shot. Okay, wow. So, so, so yeah, and, and all of the like weirdness of, of what we're about to see, like when everyone's just shooting looks at each other after the like funeral part of it. They actually are really fresh with each other. Like they're all the actors, like they're they are fresh. Not all of them, obviously. I couldn't tell if they were saying the first thing they shot at all, or the first thing they shot with the new actors. I actually am not sure of that. If it was the first of all, that's crazy, but it could be because I will say that in the behind the scenes, Viserys has like normal hair when he's talking. So obviously they were doing it out of order, and he's been mm-hmm. pretty much like balding ever since. For a few episodes now, but either way, the dragons all over Driftmark just hanging. There was like five dragons all at once. I'm like, this is crazy. Could you imagine being casual about that? No, <laughs> they even they mention it in the books that like for this day that uh, Driftmark became like old Valyria and that there was never been so many dragons in one place before. 
Awesome. And um, we do get, so moving on to the after party, it was a pretty bland party, except for Aegon was the only one who actually wanted to party. But um, we do get just, we're on the dragon thing very quickly. We do get our first, I believe it's our first shot of Sunfire that kind of lingers a little bit on the cliff side of Sunfire. I misspoke last episode saying that Dreamfire was supposed to be the most beautiful dragon. It's actually Sunfire. Dreamfire so, is actually like a really old dragon that had been ridden by um, like other characters in the past while Sunfire that's what hatched. I was ask. Yeah, newly hatched. Okay. Okay, so the party is just fucking insane. Um, I'm curious. I didn't dive that much into the behind the scenes. So I guess I'm a little curious of like, I don't, it couldn't have been one continuous take, but there's a lot of things happening and people are moving across set and diving into different interactions. And no, they said it was days and days and like one day, one day you're shooting this person's coverage, one day you're shooting that person's coverage, one day it's pouring rain, one day it's not. And they said like it was hell because you got to make them all look the same. But it's like dark one mm -hmm. day, beautiful one day, raining one day. And it's, a, it's, a, it's all different days. So everyone looks different. You have to try and match it up somehow. It looked great. It looked yeah. so good. Rhaenyra has like nowhere to be she's like i don't yeah. belong anywhere here she's just like uh like at least she has her kids she's like those those belong to me i could go to, i could go to them mm -hmm. but yeah she's all alone especially with lanor just like dunking himself in the water <laughs> yeah yeah that was fucked up <laughs> so I, yeah i mean there's so much that happens so I, I don't have a preference either way if we want to talk about like individual characters if we want to take it like chronologically but i guess just to kick us off in terms of things that happen um, we get immediately Rhaenyra and Aemon and, and Aemon and Damon eye contact that there's obviously something behind that. It's been 10 years since they've seen each other, but, uh, she heads for Jace. Like you mentioned, her kids are kind of the only thing that she has. And this is just a scene where Jace, we leave last episode of him. Like, am I a bastard? Now he's like fully in on it. He says like, like she tells him to go to her, his cousins because their mom just died. And he's like, well, why can't we go to Harrenhal? Like my dad just died. And that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. She gives him a little pep talk at the scene. Allison notices kind of what's happening here. And that kind of just sets the tone almost for everything that happens in the scene. It's people just popping around, having conversations kind of compartmentalized, but have such bigger meaning behind them. And then after this, we have, I mean, Viserys and Damon are making eye contact. We have like after this, when Jace actually goes over to his cousins, him and Eamon make awkward eye contact over the fire. Like there's just like a lot of shit happening all the time. Mm -hmm. So honestly, if there was anything in particular that you wanted to talk about first, we can just tackle it and then just kind of get after everything afterwards. For the things that you mentioned right there, like Jace continues to surprise me. I was surprised by him, just the way he acted with Rhaenyra proclaiming himself a bastard last episode he is just he seems pretty quick and like smart and like gets it gets the game a little bit like he understands what's going on politically and the implications of being a bastard so all of that was surprising because he's so freaking young and he is technically going to be the next heir so like his opinions on things matter and having him for having him be team i'm um like a real heir is important or else yeah. everything kind of falls apart uh, but one thing I want to throw out there is Otto, who we didn't mention is now the hand of the king again. That was kind of yeah. on. We were on True. track from that is just so observant. And every time you see Damon and Rhaenyra like doing anything, he's aware, which is awesome because that's just his thing. He sits in the back. He kind of looks and he takes in this information. He's like the schemer. So it, it's good that that even though he didn't say he, he gets the one line to Damon saying, like, sorry for your loss. But besides that, like it's all in his head. You just have to read his facial expressions. And I love his acting. So I'm back. He's back. And it's good to see him here. 
Agreed. For sure. Kyle, do you have anything to say on that? I'll jump into some other things if you have anything to say on his. Um, no, I mean, I just, just with speaking about Jace, I just thought it's interesting as well, seeing Luke, little younger brother and his conversation with Corliss, other along the similar vein of Corliss is like, Hey, like, this is all going to be yours one day. Like you're going to be the heir to, you're the heir to Driftmark. Like you'll be Lord of the Tides. And he's like channels his inner Jon Snow as every joke around the internet is being made that he doesn't want it. Cause he, I mean, he actually has like a very reasonable reason too. It's very kind mm-hmm. of great perspective from a young child. Being mm-hmm. like, I don't want to be the Lord of Driftmark because that means everyone else will be dead. And I, just I have think- so much to say on that. Go it's ahead. so good. It's the equivalent on a much smaller scale, of course, because these people are going to be kings and queens of islands and shit like that. You know what I mean? Or lords, whatever. And it's it would be like us being so aware that when our parents die, we get the house and yeah. we're just like all the our whole life. We get the house like, <laughs> like yeah, and it's like it's just assuming like it's like Jesus. That means your parents are dead. Maybe I don't want the house. You know, it's really cute of Luke to be like really upset. And Corliss is actually really sweet about it. It's not like he's like, boy, like like a lot of other men would be like in the realm being like, you're you're going to fucking be the Lord of Driftmark and suck it. You know, <laughs> like yeah. whatever. And he's sweet. He's like, he's like, come on, like, you'll be like the Lord of the Tides and this and that. And he's yeah. like, I don't want you to die. He was, um, Corliss was kind of like, damn, all right. Like, that was the probably the only reasoning behind I don't want it that he would have accepted, I think. It's like yeah. a breath of fresh air, probably. Someone yeah. does, does not wanting him to die to take over it. But um, speaking of Jace as well. Um, I just wanted to bring up. So after he talks to Rhaenyra and she says, go talk to your cousins. There's a really sweet moment where um, is it Bela who grabs his hand? I believe so. Yes. And and then Rainice walks over and they're like grandma or whatever. And she, they bear hug and whatever. And I was just thinking Jace kind of steps to the side like he doesn't have a grandma either. Like he only has Rhaenyra and then his pup up yeah. <laughs> is Viserys. But his grandmom would be fucking bitchy ass Allison who hates his guts. So like he doesn't have that either, which sucks. So his dad dies. These his his cousins at least have their grandma to like be upset with and everything. And poor Jace, he's just like mm-hmm. so alone. I mean, and him and Aegon share an interesting look over the fire as well. And I thought Aegon was maybe gonna like that was Amen, wasn't it? Oh yeah, yes. Amen, Amen. Yeah. Sorry, Amen was gonna like maybe console him or something, but I, he didn't. They didn't say anything. Yeah, I really there. think that. I want. I think that you read that to seem in the same way that I did, and that it felt like he wanted to say something, yeah. but almost like, and I'm just completely, you know, guessing and making this up, especially because of what happens later, and that he almost is like hearing his mom's voice in the back of his head, and yeah. like she wouldn't want him to do that and like become buddy buddy with him in that situation. So yeah. he kind of bites his tongue a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let me grab the next topic of conversation here because I was I'm so. Im- like mad at us, Kathleen, that we didn't read more into Helena in the previous episode because (laughs) she's just so interesting to me because she actually really reminds me of like a character from like the Cosmere books. Just quick reference, Kyle Elantris, um, the kid that it's, it's Serene's like cousin, the one that like counts the steps that's become very important. So like, it's just like an interesting archetype in the fantasy setting because she's just oblivious to what's going around her what's going on around her and she has 
interesting comments on whatever she's doing. She's hyper fixating on. And it turns out we kind of already got confirmation that her last time she was doing with the centipede, it was a foretelling basically of Eamon getting Vagar. So now that they kind of threw that in her face and on the rewatch, you're watching her do this again with the spider. I'm sure like they were aware that people are going to now be now the audience is going to be aware that she is saying prophetic things that they're going to be less obvious about it because all she did was say with the spider was that there's going to be team green versus team black. She yeah. didn't really say too much about it. And it's good that they're not going to do that because it would have been obvious. Everybody would have went back and realized like if they're going to hint at another big plot twist. Yeah. But the real reason I'm fucking mad is because I knew in my head that a Targaryen was having an eye patch at some point. And then the centipede line mixed with, we haven't seen a Targaryen with an eye patch. It's like, Jesus. And that's probably the person that you thought was Damon on the book, but I could be wrong about that because he probably didn't have an eye patch, but I could see it could be his brother, Aegon. I don't really know. Just trying to guess because in the future episode, when they age the characters up, he kind of looks like Damon, but he has the eye patch. So that would have been a little too he obvious. He looks like an aged up Aegon, but they actually swap. Like, I feel like the actor who's playing Aemon should be playing Aegon based on the like pointy yeah. figures of the nose and stuff like that. But uh, when you show the pictures of the actual actors, they all look like older versions of their younger actors. I think yeah. they did a fucking fantastic job of that. But to jump on the, the Helena thing, yeah, from last episode, I purposely bit my tongue. Because mm -hmm. I knew it would be better of a conversation looking back than purposely pointing out that line. Just very, very, very well done. They're just that's a small change that they've made. They're really leaning into this idea of dreamers. They're kind of really almost obsessed with it. Viserys has kind of mentioned it a little bit in the beginning where he says he has a dream. Helena seems like she is almost a legit Targaryen dreamer, though. So it seems like she has these dreams and can not predict the future, but is seeing what's happening in the future. Also, I mean, we're getting Aegon's dream is now kind of, you know, the the jumping off point of the entire series. So these are all kind of the Aegon's dream, I guess, isn't a small change, though. It's something we've never heard before. But I think this is a very interesting change for her character. Mm -hmm. And sorry, quick question is I think I brought it up earlier in maybe like a couple episodes ago. Is green seeing different than dreaming? Yes. Okay, green seeing, but isn't that wasn't Jojen Reed seeing the future in the same way through visions? Yeah, I, I just think that it's more of a like a different type of magic. Like I okay. guess it's more of maybe like a different type of magic source almost. It's kind of like because green seeing is more associated with the old gods, yeah, like yeah. the Starks, while the dreaming is probably more of like the blood magic of old Valyria. Yep, makes sense. Yeah, but. Aegon is such a little dick. Like know, he really he is. is. And and this scene is one of the first where you kind of realize that like Aemon, like Jace, like knows the game. Like Aegon is just shitting on Helena because uh, what we learn now is they're betrothed to each other since the um, Rhaenyra suggestion mm -hmm. or proposal got squashed. So now the, the siblings are getting married and Aegon's like about it. And Aemon's like, I would do it. Like if, <laughs> yeah. if only mother betrothed me to her, I would do it. It would strengthen our family in the realm. <laughs> like, yeah, he gets it. And it seems like when they get older, he's going to be the one in charge, like the not in charge, because obviously he's second in line, I assume. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's yeah. it's good stuff. But he's such a little dick moving forward. I thought I love Amond, But then when the whole like fight happens at the end, I'm like, you little piece of shit. They're doing a great job of characterizing the two of them, those two brothers of Allison's sons, they like it's Aegon himself hasn't had a ton of scenes, but I feel like we know everything we need to know about him. 
Yeah. Like in this scene, he's drinking, he's calling the serving chicks wenches, like he's passed out drunk, like he doesn't care, he doesn't want to do things he doesn't want to do. He's just like a classic type of like lazy, arrogant prince character. While we have Aemond, who seems very earnest and is like looking for kind of almost prestige in a way. He's looking for acceptance. He's looking for maybe attention a little bit. I just mm-hmm. think they've done a really good job of characterizing the both of them. Well, because they not to say that they did a bad job because it could have been purposeful was his appearance in the last episode completely shifted my perception of his personality after this episode. Like I had such a bad read on him and I guess by design, but who's this? the way this is, this is Eamon, like, sorry, the, the younger brother, the middle brother, um, like, cause the way he got bullied with the pig and then went to like all of that, it felt, it, I, I felt like I was watching a whole different character this episode and it's because we spent a lot more time with him. So I do like that. They, clarified on what kind of person they want him to be because he's going to be a badass and he's going to you know he's going to be fun to watch in the future rather than just being the bullied middle kid who doesn't feel loved enough or something yeah for sure um and we do get Eamon in this scene this is kind of the end of his involvement for the most part of just he is repeatedly hearing what we now realize is vagar her screeches while she's in the air above the clouds and him and kind of damon are the only two that really are actually clocking it or and making reactions to it. Just, I guess, a little bit small sprinkling of foreshadowing, which we'll obviously get to in a little bit. We have Lord of Harrenhal confirmed for Laris. That was a yes. good, just check it off the box. We already said the sexy eyes between Raymond and Damon. That's been going on the whole freaking time. And then the conversation I wanted to bring up, which I was kind of confused about, was Corliss freaking out to Carl about Lenor's yep. grieving was it because was, was Lenor a little drunk or something like I didn't understand why he was freaking out because Lenor was being genuine with his feelings about his sister right and then he freaks out at Carl and is like go get your go get your patreon blah, blah blah and he's like mad and verbally yelling in front of all these people that I didn't understand that I think he's just embarrassed yeah <clears throat> think that's he's sad yes I I think you who's who are you saying is embarrassed? Corliss. I think Corliss is embarrassed yeah. by Lenor and his actions. I feel like right. Yeah, I mean everyone else is for the most part keeping it together. Yeah. While yeah. Lenor is, I mean, like I don't think he wants him to be emotionless. It's more like do that kind of shit on your own time versus while okay. we're in front of like the king. Like you're you're the prince consort at this point. Like you are married to the heir of the yeah. entire realm. Like you can't be kind of acting like that. So yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he really does make a scene. I mean, Veyman even has stepped in his like brother. Yeah, he has yeah, to yeah. Down there. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I'm never um, anti Corliss, so it's weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, everybody's fallible. So, uh, next big thing I think we should talk about is Viserys and Damon conversation. First time they've talked in ten years. Um, Damon just <laughs> refuses to actually change when people interact with him. He does have now this thing where he kind of hangs back in crowds almost. He's not so much of the center of attention and kind of all the bravado, but he still will never change when you actually speak to his face because Viserys has a great line to him where he says, your girls are the very image of their mother, a comfort and an anguish as I well remember. The gods can be cruel. And Damon just immediately hits back with, they were cruel to you, bro. Like, Jesus (laughs) Christ. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have much to say about it other than Damon is just so interesting. Like, Viserys again being like, come home, come on. I got a place for you in my court. He's just like, I don't need anything. <laughs> get yeah. out of here. But Viserys is as jolly as ever, just trying to get his brother to come home because mm-hmm. seems like you need some more family. But 
you never know almost how he's going to respond to things or what he's going to do. But when he actually does the thing that he's going to do, it's not really that surprising. Like he, every time he has an interaction or something like a decision to make, there's like 18 different possibilities with him and any of the one he takes, it just makes sense. Like, it's like, oh, of course he would do that. Yeah. Yeah. True. And mm -hmm. what, what I wanted to say was that I think, um, as we got more and more distance from the 10 year time skip, what I really think that happened to Damon the most in that, in those 10 years is he actually kind of matured a little bit and, the only reason I'm saying that is because when we looked back pre 10 year time skip in my head, like Damon was p potentially like kind of pure evil. Like I didn't want that because I thought it would be less interesting if, if, than if he was gray, like he kind of is. But I think during the 10 years, if anything happened to him at all, it was that he did mature a little bit. And then that kind of speaks to what you're saying. He, he hangs back a little bit now rather than throwing himself into the center of attention. He's a little bit more calculated and he does seem like, he less evil. He, I don't know, like the conversations he has with Rhaenyra, like he's not out here saying, I'm going to go murder Lainor at the first hint of that plan. Like, I don't know. I think that's, that's what I am taking away from the time skip for him. And it does seem to hold. And until I get more information about him, like being self-interested, I feel like that's kind of what happened to him. And that's good oh, because right. that means that Lena added to some character growth for him. Agreed. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's honestly, yeah, it's, it's very nice to see. Although they have cut, some things and when we talked about it last episode of him having that moment with with his daughters afterwards mm -hmm. it's a calculated decision which i guess will maybe pay off maybe not something we actually see pay off but just kind of more of an idea that might pay off because that i feel like would even more lean him towards like he's so different than he was in the beginning yeah if we had that scene actually as canon in it i don't know i've also heard a very cynical take that they're cutting a lot of those scenes because they're going to put them in like an extended edition that you like need to pay for and like buy on disc to actually watch but i don't know ridiculous <laughs> yeah i know but same old damon just want to mention that luke you had mentioned earlier that Otto kind of expresses his sympathies to damon damon's clapback is fucking incredible he says no matter how fat the leech grows it always wants another meal <laughs> these motherfuckers just hate each other and i am just <laughs> living for it it's such a great rivalry um and again luke you had mentioned that otto is always clocking rainier and damon's kind of activities when they're together rainier sees damon leave immediately goes to her kids sends them to bed it wasn't that late obviously i'm not privy to their actual bedtime but it seemed like it wasn't that late and goes after damon and otto immediately clocks that that happened yeah and so then Speaking oh of going to bed, Viserys <laughs> yeah. is walking by and it just calls Allison Emma and it is glorious. It's so <laughs> glorious. Like she needs to be absolutely dunked on like that. She does. She, and for the record, I love her. I love her as a character. I am obviously team black. I am a Rhaenyra stan. But Allison's a great character and I and I love to watch her on screen and that just sucks for her like and sir kristen's like you like <laughs> yeah he was like personally offended it felt like yeah it was good it was good stuff and then who was the guy behind him what's his name like the other night oh that's sir harold westerling he's the yeah the lord commander he was like should i be watching queen allison <laughs> yeah yeah it was very graceful from the lord yeah. commander there yeah he's like nope walks away yeah, and he does, as I guess small thing to mention, is that he does tell Kristen Cole that he has the Night Watch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, 
I mean, because we feel, it feels like Kristen Cole has been acting almost roguely only under the orders of Allison. So I think it was purposeful to show that like he still does take orders from someone. He has a senior like superior officer that uh, <laughs> that is still technically able to give him orders. Didn't and that happens twice like this episode. End. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It does happen again. Yeah. I'm a, yeah, and I'm actually excited to talk about the second time as well. And yeah. I guess, yeah, the last two quick things I guess are Otto finds a drunk Aegon, and that is the heir to the Iron Throne that he is working so tirelessly for, <laughs> and he's obviously sick of his shit. And then we get Carl bringing back a drenched Lanor. Very unceremoniously, they join the party again. Mm-hmm. And also, I, I forgot to mention this as well. Under the Aemon talk, that Aemon tells Aegon when Aemon, or I'm sorry, when Aegon is talking shit on Helena, that she'll be your queen one day, or like she's your future queen. So they're kind of all in. They're all in on this propaganda that they are going to be on the throne. Like they're like it's Aegon's birthright to be on the throne. Wow, I did not even put two and two together with that. That that's what that was. Like I I totally clocked that. I knew it, but I didn't think like. Oh, that means that Aegon's the the true heir, which he yeah. technically is so, at, after Rhaenyra, I would assume. Oh, but it, they're saying even next, like they're for he's first. Yeah, line. that's the way I took it. I mean, that's what Allison, I'm sure, is pushing to them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what Otto believes too. I'm a little confused on that still, but yeah, I I don't even know like where I'm at because I I misread that whole scene, but I think you guys clarified. Then it got more complicated right there. <laughs> Well, because so, Kathleen's trying to work her way through the succession. Yeah, I, I, whatever. <laughs> yeah, just let it happen. it'll all get ironed out. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we now get the after after party in the hall of our favorite couple in Westeros. We have uh, Rhaenys and Corlys are discussing kind of Lena and just where they're at. They're kind of taking stock a little bit. Rhaenys is obviously completely dejected about everything that has happened. She is looking to blame Damon for everything. And Corliss is again showing this completely ambitious side to him where it seems like it drives all of his decisions and they get in a little bit of a spat over all of it. Yeah. I hate seeing mom and dad fight. It's the first time we got it on screen. So yeah. sad. Um, but my, the biggest thing that shocked me in this scene was Corliss's reaction to Rainis, who slayed this scene. I fucking love Rainis's character. So good. And I want to take back anything bad I said yeah. about her in episode one. So <laughs> You know, she was only in this is might be her third or fourth episode. So I didn't want to go back on it until I have more information. But she's a great character. Um, but she she throws out the pretty smart idea. If you care about true legacy of having Lena's oldest daughter inherit Driftmark. And it would make sense because you could do it in the wake of the funeral. Like everybody will know it wasn't some crazy bastard conspiracy thing, but it was more about an emotional connection and solidifying your family. So that was genius. But what really shocked me was Corliss's reaction. He truly doesn't care about furthering his bloodline, but rather the perception of his bloodline in a history book. And to me, I like that's fine if you want to do it like that, because it is kind of true. Like we don't really know the ancestry in history books. We know the names, but I just thought Corliss himself wanted true like Valerian, you know, white haired rulers of Driftmark. So that was just the craziest part about this scene. Uh, what did you guys think about that? Yeah, yeah, I wasn't expecting that either. That was one of my number one things from last um, episode. I was dying to see how he was going to react. So when mm-hmm. he says um, the history books don't care about your blood, they care about your name. I was like, honestly, pretty shocked by that. I mean, yeah, this this follows or it comes before or after. I'm not sure. And he pretty much doubles down where Rainice is like, 
cut the bullshit. Like at least today when we're grieving, cut the bullshit. You're it's your ambition that wants to get like us on the throne. Not that you're trying to fight justice for me. And we've been saying like, oh, Corliss is such a good guy. He's like fighting yeah. for Rainey's for episodes. And you kind of always knew it was a little bit of both. Right. This is guy is like the wealthiest man. He's very ambitious, but she's probably just been like kind of gritting her teeth for years being like, thank you, husband. Like you're the best. But now that it's literally risking her children's lives, especially by the end. I mean, I know it ends up being like a bait and switch type deal, but like now they're going to be childless, you know, by the end of this episode, quote unquote. So Mm -hmm. I'm like fully team Rainice here. I think it's you can still you could still think, okay, Lanor's kids are are Valerians and they're going to be in the history books as Valerians and whatever and give Lena's kids Driftmark, you know, totally. You can do both. And I think that's the smarter way to do it. And plus, I loved Lena and I love those kids. So I want them to have something, too. But yeah. Yeah. I do think that in the grand scheme of things, yeah, Rainey's is definitely in the right here. I think her reasoning is obviously it's both emotional and there's a lot of logic to it. I mean, especially like you guys said, with the timing. Although I will say that Corliss is kind of right about the casting a darker shadow thing. I, I think that they could totally have their reasoning be the funeral, but it would never actually play off like that. Maybe like, there's yeah. no way Allison and them would let that slide and like accept that that would be the reason. Big shout out to you though, Kyle, because you nailed this line of succession for who would get Driftmark when I asked that a couple episodes ago. Yeah, I mean. That's well, our guy. They, they do obviously have been making changes. So honestly, they've been like so close to the story, but just enough of a change where it's it's still kind of up in the air of how things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. And as a book reader, it's been very enjoyable that way. Yeah, I do. This is just a personal thing for me. When uh, when Corliss is talking about how like history doesn't remember blood, it remembers names. And I'm currently listening to uh, a history of the Roman Empire podcast and that like idea i think is ripped straight out of that so in rome like they would just adopt people like julius caesar like didn't have any actual sons that he was born with so he just like adopted someone and then they were just his son now and then that guy ended up becoming the first emperor of rome because caesar just kind of adopted him because he was like oh i need a son and just like adopted, yeah, just they were like not his blood, as far as I remember. They may he might have been like a nephew, but even that guy, like, just adopted again someone else, like, <laughs> adopting people. It was just the way they did yeah. it because people were like, okay, I don't have any heirs, I don't have any sons, like, let me just adopt this boy from this family, I'll pay them however much money, and then I'll be my son. Nice, it's insane. It is, yeah, I mean, it's that same concept of like history remembers names, not blood. I mean, we know that that idea literally put the first Roman emperor on like the throne of the Roman Empire, which is just kind of cool. I like that. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> moving on, we get now potentially our new most favorite couple in Westeros. Maybe too early to tell. We get uh, Damon and Rhaenyra taking a harmless little walk on the beach that obviously turns into something more. Than a harmless walk on the beach. Uh, a lot to talk about here. I'm sure Kathleen wants to get into a little bit of a discussion on the sexy time. So I think this is just kind of like an open floor. First, I want to just throw it out there a name that we can call this two couple, and you guys just shoot me down if it's stupid. But uh, how do we feel about Day Ray? Like I like Day Ray. Day Ray. I'm okay with Day Ray. Day good. <laughs> Let it be known. This is Day Ray. Oh, it is known. It's the age of Day Ray. <laughs> 
I was shocked that Damon and Rainier, like Rhaenyra was speaking so plainly to Damon. Like, yeah, man, they're not, they're sure not Lainor's kids. Like we, we tried, but whatever. <laughs> like type deal. Like was really shocked that she was mm-hmm. just spitting the truth. Like the same way that last episode we were like, damn, Rhaenyra's staying so strong, not telling, like not even talking about it with Lainor and clo- behind closed doors. And now she's like, so Damon, who is also kind of someone who could fuck shit up for her and has in the past. It's like, OK, mm-hmm. we, she really loves Damon, which still to me, I wish they kind of build it up a little more. I mean, I know they were always like tight as aunt and uncle um, growing up. But I mean, now I'm fully for them both, which is so sick. But I'm like, I love these two. So I think the reason it's it's better now and it will be in hindsight and on a rewatch about their them two being into each other, I guess Rhaenyra is clearly just actually like attracted and into Damon. Like that's that's a thing. And I think it was weird because in the beginning stage of this stages of this before they hooked up for the first time, we didn't know if it was going that way. So you weren't attributing signs of them showing some sort of attraction towards each other to it because you didn't you kind of wanted to deny it we didn't know where they were going with the show yeah. and now that i think it's this obvious and she's this explicit like i needed you i wanted you why did you leave me like this she was into him when she you know before the time skip so i think on a rewatch when you can attribute everything to actually being full attraction it will look more it will make more sense i think but i I don't know i'm I'm gonna have to do a rewatch eventually uh but what i want to say about these two is like i'm shocked at how the general consensus of people are down which is cool because i'm willing to totally separate the incest and characters and stories but i'm just surprised that the general consensus on like twitter or reddit is hell yeah even for people that didn't know that this was coming just a very interesting 2022 man what a hell of a time uh but yeah, they're you know it's still like kind of what I want it right. Like we want these two powerhouses and great characters to be together, but it's just weird. But let the incest thrive. Who cares? So I think now you just you just like kind of justified it for my thing. What I was worried about. Now let me justify it for you. Back in the day, it felt like Rhaenyra was so young. There's no actual war happening like the dragon the 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 war between the dragons right wasn't happening yet Mm -hmm. it was still kind of in the early stages now it's like green versus black like it's like allison is out for blood rhaenyra needs damon like this will strengthen her her claim her airness like she needs like a solid Lainor is not going to do shit for her. Like it needs to be Damon. It needs to be this like weird schemey thing that they explain at the end to be like, people will fear us and think we did something, but they'll never know the truth. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It has to be, they have to be like the blood of the dragon and shit like that, which is cool. And now you're like, yeah, because the fight's about (laughs) to commence. Whereas before it was just like gratuitous almost. It was like, what are they just too good to get a fuck to fuck? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, deal I, out of it. <laughs> I think that was both perfectly summed up. Uh, one comment I, I will make that might, I guess, maybe generate a little more conversation is that we've mentioned again about Damon is changing. And this scene, he has two quotes almost kind of back to back that are like both classic Damon and new Damon, where he's like, she's talking about like 
Allison was not capable of, of murder and he's like, all of us are like, and she goes, yeah, I know you are. And when he says, if you're accusing me of depravity, you'll have to be more specific. And he has used that line like three times at this point. Mm-hmm. And it's just yeah. great that they're actually recycling it. <laughs> and then he does turn around after that when she's like, I needed you, like you left me. And he was like, you were a child, like I spared you. And it seems like he's almost reflecting on the choices he had made. And he almost kind of knew looking back that it was wrong that he was doing that. Yeah couple additional comments here too because this plays off of some things you were just saying one of the things about damon changing like we we brought it up last episode i love that he says to in response to rainier saying like did you love lena he, he re-emphasizes we were happy enough like mm-hmm. I, I like that because he you. didn't go back on his word and that solidifies our opinions about the last time we saw them together but we brought this conversation up a little bit uh, last episode when we were talking about Harren Hall, and I just like that they brought it back that Rhaenyra attributes Harwin's death to Harren's curse. And then that was just cool just to hear again. It's just like Game of Thrones little nugget there. And then la- other little tiny thing was they did say that Lenor couldn't get her pregnant. So I'm curious if that means that, what's it called? Impotent? Yeah. Is that what he is? Impotent? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sounds right. Yeah. I feel like they almost, they more made it seem like that he's like, just like so not physically attracted to women that like okay was not gonna happen okay that's yeah. what i was basically yeah. gonna ask although i mean i maybe they you could take it the other way i guess in the grand scheme of things it doesn't matter i mean he has no desire to quote unquote father any other kids so mm-hmm. yeah i don't think it's it's kind of anything beyond that but also i mean i guess talking about impotent damon in the scene actually can have sex yeah shocking i I'm like starting to hate that plot line that they put in the book in the in the like episode one and then episode four, whatever it was. I, I just feel like because eh. it doesn't really even click. Like if it's still about the control thing, like that doesn't really click yet. Well, and I mean, I guess one thing could be, again, this idea of he's maturing. So maybe it's he's kind of gotten beyond that. And now he had, does truly see Rhaenyra as this equal. And it's more about like a passion thing and a little bit of love. And that actually because obviously he had two kids. So he could have gotten to completion, (laughs) obviously, to be able to create children So and twins at that. So, I mean, at that point, I just think it was obviously we are now seeing him have sex. But on the flip side of that, not great. Not great sex. I saw a very funny Cowards. thing on that was like, I too only want to have no kissing, no eye contact missionary sex with my soulmate <laughs> that I haven't seen in 10 years. And I was like, damn, that's a great point. <laughs> no foreplay. Yeah. My guy isn't even like he's in a slump, so he's not switching it up to a little bit of foreplay. It's just like no Southern Lord's kiss. It's just like literally just in the sand, just getting after it. So do you guys think that the main actors on this show have some of those agreements that you hear happen every once in a while on HBO level shows where they don't, they sign on with a thing where they're not going to show any explicit stuff. Like even Daenerys had it for the back couple seasons, but she broke it on trying to like stay more faithful to the beginning seasons. I think, because to me, I'm getting the vibe that I don't think we're seeing any, any Matt Smith dick. I don't think we're seeing any of a Rhaenyra or Allison or any of them. Like I, I doubt it. Right. What a shame. Yeah. I, I so I don't think we, I don't think we really need to, honestly, at this point. Uh, I think they're being like better about it. I think they're trying to be less, again, to use this word gratuitous, where it's just like sure. titties. And I yeah. know we like that. 
but <laughs> it's nice probably for the actors and actresses not to just do it to have to get the job and do it you know what i mean it's yeah i guess it could go either way in that yeah i mean maybe it would kind of distract from the main point that like this is the two of them finally being together where like everyone most people would just be like titties versus like mm -hmm. maybe taking a second to think about the emotional connection and the actual plot implications potentially i'm not really exactly sure but also i was seeing and kathleen i know we talked about this during the other sex scenes that happened i guess in episode three and four of like people were saying that this was so clearly directed by a man this episode was versus yes. oh yeah okay. Yeah. So I have a fun question. Unless you got more comments on that. Sorry, I cut you off there. Definitely. No, all I was going to say was that they do kiss a bunch during the episode. So it's like they could have been like making out and stuff during it. At least they didn't have to just be like, I know. Yeah. 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 It was like there was like no passion. It almost felt just like transactional, like dutiful, like, ah, oh, I got to plow my wife to create a son. That's what it kind of almost felt like. Yeah. Dana and also like, the location. Oh, shit, I'm hard. I got to keep going. Yeah. True, we can't true. stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Call the wife. Tell her I'm on the way. <laughs> hey, Mike. Mike, I got an erection. All right. Um, uh, here's my I fun question. So, go unless you go, go ahead. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, I was really thinking about it as I was like what, taking notes for this scene. Uh, let's talk in hypotheticals here. What does Rhaenyra do if Harwin is alive right now, and he has, and she has this reconciliation with Damon before they hook up? Does she still? like go through with it or because she refers to Harwin's thing as um like her fling with him or whatever her chill them hooking up as joy like she says i found joy elsewhere is joy the her way of saying yeah like he was here and i was into it he was into it or do you think if Harwin was still alive the father of her three kids would she even consider hooking up with damon oh man that's so tough i just i I don't know, man, because at that point, it's you got Lenor and Harwin and Damon, and that's like tough to clear out the entire board for Damon. I think she genuinely likes Damon, too. So that would be two men she's now juggling. It's not like two duds and Harwin who she's into. It's like one dud being Lenor, yeah, to Harwin who she's into and Damon who she's been into for a billion years. So that's she, tough. She could fuck around and just be like, hey, like. I'm Aegon the Conqueror Reborn. Like, I'm going to take my uncle as husband number one, and I'm going to take Lenor as husband number two. And then maybe Lenor, they do the whole fake the death thing. And then she's like, oh, you know what? I kind of miss having a second husband. I'm going to take Harwin Strong as husband number two. <laughs> that would be like the biggest power move like, ever made. So she would totally think about it. And we've seen her kind of have this ambitious side to her. So maybe she would actually try to go through with that. So I thought that's what she was proposing for the for one second later. Like I thought she mentions what's his name with his wives. So I was like his sister wives. I was like, oh, shit, she wants to have both. Get you a girl who could do both. And then yeah, she was yeah. like, he's like, now nah, we got to kill Lane. Or I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he shut that down immediately. Um, and the only just, I guess, very small, funny comment, just as I was watching them like kiss on the beach, I was like yelling, like, don't do this here. Like, why are we doing this here? I was so anticipating them getting caught in some way. And when the, the camera flipped to like behind them in the dunes, like kind of far away, I literally thought it was going to keep zooming out to like Vaymond, like watching from the dunes. And then we were going to have another fucking dramatic issue on our hands. Me too. Well, the but, camera yeah. work that flips to Eamon after this, when he goes yes. to, to Vagar, it did. I thought it was because Vagar. Oh, saw OK. Him. Yeah. Yeah. But it didn't work out that way, which thankfully, because that just. 
Yeah, that would have been there's a mess. Other <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's that other been stuff. Yeah, that would have been a mess. But that's a perfect segue into that that stuff. So I, I just we've mentioned before that the use of the F word has been a little weird whenever they do it. I think that this was the best fuck they've dropped when he just like kind of like mouths like fuck before he climbs down over the thing like to hype himself up a little bit. I thought yeah. that like it felt like it fit way better than the other ones. Yeah. And these just flying scenes were fantastic. Uh, just, I mean, I knew it was, was coming eventually and it really just exceeded my expectations completely. I was spoiled that he was going to get Vagar after Lena. I just a, a little too much digging by me. Which I was mad at Look at really, you. what I was doing was I wanted the history of Vagar last episode. I wanted to read up on how Lena got him before we recorded and you get kind of when we did record Gave a little bit on how someone could like bond yeah. with a dragon, whatever. So you I know, didn't you really can just, need to. You can just use me. I know, but <laughs> I was just like so curious and I wanted to know even more than that. Like I wanted to know just like vast history of this dragon. And right at the top, you know, on like wikis where it's like, yeah, dragon yeah. riders. And it says everyone. I was like, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> so I was. So that's why I didn't even try to guess who would claim him last episode because I already knew. Um, my comments on this scene are I was blown away. I thought this was a top three scene of the show. It's was so freaking good. And it to me, this is enter the stage of now probably going to be one of my top three favorite characters of the show. Yeah. Being Eamon, like this was amazing. And it put so much more it, the, the fact that they just like showed how 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 brave the kid was. Like Eamon was showed really no fear here. He was a he was a badass, and that's I'm sure hints at what's to come here and the close-ups of Vagar, the ability for Vagar, like they just, everything about it was so cool. The first dragon, this was better for me than almost Khaleesi's first dragon. I can't say that for sure because that was the first time we're seeing a dragon ever really with this kind of CGI budget, but it was up there, man. Vagar was amazing. I love that Vagar had the ability to almost breathe fire onto and then pull, she pulled it back in which was cool to see and just like the details man like you could see the creases under vagar's eyes it just looks perfect and it was fun man vagar's having a good time out there dipping her wing in the in the water as they're flying by it's just uh, the whole thing was so good and it leads to just some of the best writing that the show has and my, my favorite parts and aiming climbing the ranks yeah, I just think they it was they did all of the little things so well. Like the scene, the close up of the eye opening, and everything. Mm-hmm. Like him using you know the Valyrian to like that. He's obviously we saw him episodes ago watching Jace learn how to do. So he's kind of there for the lesson. So he knows he just doesn't have a dragon to use it on. And the seagulls and all of the shots of them flying was just fucking awesome. It was so goddamn good. I mean, I'm kind of moving us along, but we can stay there. But <laughs> yeah, I just want to say like his confidence that builds from being able to do this from like conquering Vagar, basically the biggest, mm-hmm. oldest dragon. Like it's it's it just changed him. You know, it just absolutely yes. changed him. hundred so. percent. And look, and that I think you said earlier when you were mentioning it feels like a different character, whether it's by design. And I think totally by design and mm-hmm. that he hops off the dragons back now. And he's I mean, everything that everyone would make fun of him before is just no longer true. And he feels that. I mean, he was just, just conquered everything that he was ever like anxious about in his entire life. And and in the books, they even say like, before he's going here, that Viserys is like, you know, Oh, like, it'll be nice. We'll all go for the funeral. And like, maybe the young lad will, you know, 
have some balls and claim a dragon. Like, who can say? Like, maybe he'll take an egg or something like that. And and Amon, you know, in the back of his head was like, I'm not fucking taking an egg. Like, I'm taking the dragon. And <laughs> does it. That's so freaking Damn. badass. Yeah, he's a fucking beast. And I mean, perfect encapsulation is this is right when the scene starts of the twins are there and they've woken Jason Luke to confront him and they go, I'm not exactly which ones who says it, but they say it's him. And he just goes, it's me. I was like, <laughs> dude, let's go. I started cracking up. I was like, holy shit. I love this guy. <laughs> this scene was like, we're talking all of it now, right? Oh, yeah. Like yeah. 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 So to me, the funniest thing about this entire scene was after it starts escalating with the girls. You just see Eamon just like hard punch. It was either Jace or Luke and broke his nose right in the face. And just like the sound, like in the cinematography of that moment was just laughable to me. I don't know. The whole thing was just crazy, but he did, you know, he held his own four against one. They started kicking the shit out of him on the ground. Then weapons get involved. And I was on the edge of my seat this whole time because I didn't know where this was going still at all. I didn't know who was going to win. If someone was going to die. It was it was tension and it was good. Obviously, I didn't think Eamon would die after just claiming Vagar. So um, that was just really fun. And to end it with the knife slash to the eye, I just so felt sick. so dumb. I, it was <laughs> awesome, but I just felt so dumb because I just it just the second that happened, I was like, duh, I've been seeing an eye patch for a year in promotional shit. Like I knew this and I just I just felt like a bad podcaster at the moment. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't know anything about the eye patch. I must have missed every single one of those promotional things. But soon as he punches one of the girls in the face, I was like, I fucking hate this kid. And then <laughs> when he gets the rock and he says, you will die screaming in flames, just as your father did. I'm like, OK, yeah, he's <laughs> he holding on to that one, wasn't he? <laughs> he's a little loco. Yeah, he's been definitely waiting to say that. Again, they do this stuff so fucking well with the show of these little things where he is getting pounded by the four of them until he uses his legs. Like Kristen Cole was yelling at them in yep. a previous episode. And you can tell that he is like much more of a trained fighter, which was something they were harping on again in that episode of Harwin Strong confronts Kristen Cole about this, that he is really only training Allison's kids and not training Rhaenyra's kids. And it shows in this scene that Eamon obviously has way more battle training than they do. Mm -hmm. When little Luke just runs up screaming and he's like, ah, it's like straight. Like that's the second, that's the first that made me laugh out loud of little Luke. The second one was when Allison is coming with the dagger and he just screams at the top of his lung. Rhaenyra's kind of like covering him up, but he's just like, it's so <laughs> yeah. fucking funny. Like it's so good. This episode from this moment on is absolute chaos. Oh, it's yeah. great too. And just throwing this out there as a topic of conversation for later. I'm pretty sure it was the older of Lena's daughters that threw the first punch. Like the older twin. Yeah. It's I think more, she so started the combat, of, right? As much as in. I know about the daughters, it's more likely that it was Bela than it was Reyna. But although Reyna was the one who probably would have stood to inherit, if you want to say that, Vagar, since she was dragonless and Lena had that conversation with her about, you know, you'll probably have the same path as me, having to claim a dragon. So I think it's just in general, it's just, I mean, it's an emotionally charged scene. They're literally just lost their mom and now they have their cousin who they don't fucking see this guy as their cousin or whatever he ends up being to them. And he just stole their mom's dragon. And it's like on the yeah. same day that they just buried her. So it's like, what the fuck? So everyone's fucking kind of a little bit wacky at this point. But also, I, I mean, he absolutely socks either Rain or Bela. And then it's just, yeah. I mean, good on Rhaenyra's kids for being like, okay, like it's on now. Like we're fucking getting <laughs> fight. 
That was fucking crazy. I don't insane. think she starts it. I think I think Eamon pushes one of the boys and then the boy tries to punch him. Like, I think Eamon starts the the other stuff. But I mean, when does he start calling him Lord Strong and a bastard in the middle of it? Right. Like after punches were already thrown. Because, yeah, that was already the rock in the hand. Yeah, because Luke's like, Luke's like, my dad's still alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and, he, and he looks at Jason. It's like, ah, oh, like he doesn't know. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Strong. Um, so we, I guess just at the end, small thing is that we get Howard Westerling, the Lord Commander, just late as can be to the scene. And it's just horrified as what he sees. He knows that his neck is probably firmly on some type of chopping block since that's kind of like the sole thing that they're responsible for. And another little funny thing is that in the books, it's actually young Joffrey who confronts Aemon about <laughs> getting on Vagar. It's literally three-year-old young Joffrey is who like starts yelling at him and shit and they get a little tussle. And then the brothers come out and the knives come out. <laughs> it's just obviously they've changed the ages. So Joffrey is an infant at this point. But it's just funny to think about. Question before we dive into this. Oh, yeah. When Allison's losing her mind, right? When they're trying to figure out what to do, what to who, who to blame, who should be punished. Jace is technically higher in the hierarchy than Amon, right? Amon. Oh, yeah. Like Jace is first, second in line to the throne right now. Mm-hmm. Aemond is like nothing. So why, why can the queen literally just be like, take his eye? I mean, we're not there yet, but I just in general, like it felt <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah, what do you want to do with that? It felt like they were able. Allison was making it seem like you could just be like, okay, I want Rhaenyra's head. Even just because she's the queen, it's like, girl, that's the heir. What are you talking about? And it's like when you compare these two, I was just genuinely wondering. Jace is technically, even though Eamon's older, Jace yeah. is higher. I mean, it would go Jace, Luke, Joffrey, then probably Aegon. And then thinking like in terms of the way that Sarah has done it with keeping Rhaenyra the heir, then probably Helena technically would be fifth. And then Eamon would be sixth. Damn. That's, that's kind right. of a hypothetical. I don't know if that it ever really gets laid out like that, but I think that's the way it would yeah. technically go. And also, I think I think it's a combination of Allison, like you said, is going a little fucking crazy. She's looking at her. I mean, ache, I mean, that scar is gnarly. That is a his face is swollen. Like he looks like a mess. So obviously, as a mother, she's freaking out a little bit. And I think another part of it is that they're really pushing this idea. They pushed it last episode in the small council meeting that Allison actually wields a decent amount of power because of the way Viserys is. In that he's so much of a pushover that she has kind of filled a little bit of a hole in where he could be guiding things. I mean, she's even like thinking that her sworn shield has priority over the king, like what the king says. So she's definitely going off the deep end a little bit and is a little bit kind of gotten used to this level of power that Viserys has let her have and that he's such a happy-go-lucky guy until these kind of scenarios where he puts his foot down and she obviously is not going to take that well. Is that satisfying? Yeah, that was good. I mean, I just loved one by one. Like Viserys is fucking pissed as hell. Then Corliss walks in and is like, hey, what's going on? Then Rhaenyra's like, Jace, Luke. I mean, just every one yeah. by one, all the adults walk in the room and it's like, what the fuck is going on? It is like a true family meeting where they're trying to figure out what kid hurt, hit who. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's so yeah, good. I mean, it's awesome. And it's an absolute mess to try to talk about in any type of structured way. Um, so I don't even know what we want to do about this, but I guess 
to kind of mention what happens in the beginning is that Cerys is obviously pissed and he's asking the Kingsguard who had the watch. And it was Kristen Cole had the watch because Harold Westerling tells him before Cerys goes to bed, Cole, you have the night watch. And he's trying to, trying to defend himself of like, we would never expect princes to attack each other. And Viserys is obviously like, dude, shut the fuck up. Like, that is not how this works. And I'm just curious if we'll ever get an answer to like, what was Kristen Cole up to? What was he doing while he was not on his post at the Night Watch? I feel like they're almost kind of pushing this idea that like Kristen and Allison may be fucking fooling around on the side a little bit. That would make no sense with Allison's righteousness. Like she would have no room to talk that fucking bitch. I mean, Kristen feels like comfortable enough to talk to her and call Rhaenyra the C word for YouTube purposes. But, you know, like (laughs) he obviously feels comfortable enough around her. So I'm not like shutting that down by any means, but. I'm just I'm just curious of what you thought by me throwing that idea out there. I mean, that would be fun. It's come to light recently, I think over the last week or something like that. Olivia Cook, I think is Allison's actress's name. Mm-hmm. She says that I think she's quoted saying something about there was like a love of Kristen Cole by Alice, young Allison, right? Like, didn't that? Oh, you know what? Yes. She, they tried to say that that was another part of the reason why Allison was so mad at Rhaenyra was that she was in love with Kristen Cole and Rhaenyra knew that and still fucked Which- they did a horrible job of showing is all yeah. I wanted to really say is I don't think you can just write that off as something, an actor on the show said, like they didn't show that. That's all I wanted to say. So, but if it is, if it is turning out that they were banging and, and he should have been on his watch, then I guess there's way more weight to that. Yeah. I mean, I, I can see that being a small little change that they make. And again, I think yeah. it would purposefully make Allison a hypocrite. I mean, she is, like you said, Kathleen, she's putting herself on this pedestal of righteousness We've seen it kind of tumble down a little bit. Rhaenyra has the quote at the end of the scene, and I think it would kind of fit almost into the characterization that you're trying to get at with Allison. So I'm just saying I wouldn't be shocked if our boy, Kristen Cole, was getting down with the queen. And would that be the most beautiful bang in Game of Thrones show history? The two Maybe. of them? Yeah, Maybe, it's it's up yeah. there with John and Danny, right? Like, it's right there. Yeah. I mean, his his handsome coefficient is off the charts. So I mean, he, <laughs> she's so beautiful too. That's yeah. I mean, but Danny, Danny's yeah. the goat. Yeah, but. that's where it's tough because Daenerys is definitely one of the most attractive women ever in the show. And I, <laughs> I mean, for my money, bro, Kristen Cole is the most handsome guy in Game of Thrones. So that's tough. Imagine Kristen Cole and Daenerys. Jesus, <laughs> if they didn't show his penis, I'd be pissed. <laughs> All right. So, getting speaking of pissed. We get Allison is furious with Aegon. So she, we've seen her before, get on him about defending Aemond. She's like, you're a fucking drunk idiot, bro. Like, what are you doing? Like, we're kind of, we're family. You should have done something about this. And now, like Kathleen said, everyone's coming in now and it's chaos. Corliss comes in, Rhaenys comes in, Rhaenyra and Damon enter. And they show us Otto clocking that they came in at the same time. And mm-hmm. then Jace tells Rhaenyra that he called them bastards, which then sets off just an absolute fucking fireworks. There's some good lines here. We don't have to go over everything because you kind of just summarized the whole first half of the scene. Um, but I do like how Aegon defended himself after Aemon the snitch pointed him out for the thing. He yeah. says, we know, father, everyone knows, just look at them. So it's kind of just out there that only really Corliss and Viserys were being purposefully ignorant and yeah. everybody else that's even relatively important kind of already knew. And I like they also it also deflected from Aegon. He didn't even get any um, 
shit for that, which I was surprised. Because he was looking like he was going to, because Viserys rolls yeah. over to him as quick as he can with his fucking cane, and is like, boy. And I, I yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. Oh, even I was like, like, damn, all right, Dad. Like, Harry, yeah, did you put your name in the goblet of fire? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it was like. <laughs> that's perfect. And also that quote of, like, we know, everyone knows, just look at them, that's pulled directly out of the book. I thought oh, really? Eamon yeah. was going to say, my mom did it like I, he was looking at Allison and she was like yeah yeah and she tries to deflect and she's like well what does Lenor have to say about this where's he at oh probably entertaining yeah. a young squire and Corliss is like fuck you bitch and then Kristen, <laughs> Kristen chuckles Kristen Cole laughs at that and Harold Westerling shoots him a glance and it's like settle down over there Cole bro we're not supposed to take sides you idiot <laughs> Oh, Kristen man. Cole is a loose cannon, man. He <laughs> is. This whole room oh, is full of loose cannons, man. The show is officially a mess, and I'm just here it's for every amazing. second of it. Dude. Um, okay. So, and also, Eamon's little fucking smile when Jace is like, he called us bastards. And Eamon's like, damn right, I did, you little bastard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's yeah. so good. All right. So, this is now Viserys is freaking out he's had enough and in typical of sarah's fashion it's just all right fuckers like apologize show some goodwill your father your grandsire your king demands it and that's a classic Viserys quote-unquote punishment that's that's what's going to happen in his mind obviously allison does not see it that way and again shit hits the fan for the second time in about a minute so Kathleen, I want to ask you a question because I, I think I heard you question something earlier on when we were summarizing the whole episode and I'm, or maybe it was in the middle when we were talking about Chris and Cole earlier, you said um, like how he still was capable of taking orders from someone above him. And you yeah. said, unlike later, did you think, cause the first time I watched this scene, I thought Kristen Cole was going to attack yeah, on behalf fully. of Allison, but he, yeah. but he wasn't. If you rewatch it, he says, I'm only your sworn shield, like saying, like, I can't do that. I'm only your protector. So that's why oh. you reacted that way. And that's why I reacted the same way the first time he was saying, no, like, I'm not going to do this for you, Allison. I thought he said, as your sworn protect, as your sworn, whatever, like not. He did. I'm she only. said, you, you, you're sworn to serve me. And he goes, as your sworn shield, like not like your attack mm. dog is how it was meant to be taken. Thank God, because I was like, this yeah. boy is really like, well, if I have to. Like, yeah 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 literally. no i yeah. heard you make that comment and i wanted to clarify because i felt the same way it was just that the okay. way the line was worded it cool. was taken that way okay yeah. Yeah, i totally interpreted the same way kathleen because i was like damn because even viserys was like you'll do no such thing and then allison mm -hmm. like throws a little bit of a mini temper tantrum and is like you're gonna do it or whatever and then okay yeah. I, I mean allison being like i'll have one of her uh, son's eyes in return and then being like he can choose not like he granted my son that luxury like i'm like allison what the fuck is going on girl Dude, she's Relax. crazy this is so good this is oh, it's, great it's fucking it's fantastic and i, I just like want to mention this line before we get into the actual juicy juicy between allison and rhaenyra is that viserys makes the official royal proclamation that anyone questioning the parentage in the future will have their tongues removed. So that's kind of the biggest foot that he steps down is on this idea of the bastardry, which all things considered is just hilarious because everyone in the room just heard Aegon say, like, we all know that they're bastards. And Viserys is still holding strong to, like, if you fucking say that, I will rip your tongue out. And he even looks yeah. at Allison when he says it. And then Rhaenyra has the little, thank you, father. 
like little yeah, classic that was like daddy's it. girl like thanks daddy <laughs> <laughs> really perfect yeah and that was pretty much the final straw for allison who reaches for the the official dagger of game of thrones and uh and charges at rhaenyra i believe some people were saying it was luke and rhaenyra stepped in but it felt like she was looking up like head up at rhaenyra versus little luke on the ground that's the way i looked at it um mm-hmm. and then just a great conversation ensues Luke, who do you think she was going after? I I think I thought it was Rhaenyra. Like, I thought she was just oh. snapping. Did you think it was the kid? I thought it was the kid only because when Rhaenyra grabs her, it's not like she's still trying to, like, attempt to kill Rhaenyra. I feel like it was almost like she's like, let go of me. I'm going to stick your kid's eye. But either yeah. way, she's crazy. It does not matter who she was going Sorry. at. It's the cat's ball dagger, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Um. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. Damon, I mean, yeah, Kristen Cole moves forward at the same time. And I guess you could interpret it as the, he's the shield. So he's moving in to be the shield versus we all know that he fucking hates Rhaenyra. So maybe he's trying to get in on the fun. Um, and Damon steps in and stops Kristen Cole, who also Howard Westerling again is like, don't fucking move, Cole. Like, what are you doing? You fucking maniac. <laughs> you can't do shit like that. And I wrote down the quotes, so I will say them because they're at this, to me, they're fucking iconic. In what have I done besides what was expected of me? Forever upholding the kingdom, the family, the law, while you flout it all to do as you please. Where is duty? Where is sacrifice? It's trampled under your pretty foot again. Now you take my son's eye, and even to that, you feel entitled. Great. Fucking fantastic. And Olivia Cook was amazing at delivering that. So much better than I would ever hope to be. And Rhaenyra's clapback is almost, I would say, better in that exhausting, wasn't it? Hiding behind that cloak of your own righteousness, but now they see you as you are. And in that moment, I feel like you, Allison, like that was the actual final straw for her. She was like, ah, bitch! And then just kind of, <laughs> and <then> just cuts her. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. Two Those things. were two great quotes. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. So Allison being able to take I know Viserys like kind of had his back turned and shit, but that man's got no moves. Like, don't let your arm. wife don't let your wife take that dagger from you. Like, what the fuck, man? He has one arm and he needs it for his cane. He literally can't he can <laughs> swing his sleeve at her, but what else can he do? Doesn't matter. What what a pussy. Anyway, number <laughs> number Damn, two. bro, it's hard to be king. <laughs> It's lonely at the top. Um, There is a shot where Allison is holding the knife and it's a shot with Rhaenyra's eye and the fire behind her and the knife. And it's just like the coolest shot of the whole episode. And both times I watched, I was like, damn, they got that. They got that shot. Mm -hmm. They said cut and they were like, word. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure they cut this entire scene and we're like, oh my God, that is going to be just so good when that actually comes out. Literally, literally. Um, I thought for a second before Rhaenyra like starts clapping back at her that she was there's because at that specific shot, like it's kind of at eye level, right? The dagger. I thought Rhaenyra was going to let Alicent take her eye in place of her kids. Like, I thought she was going to be like, all right, if you're going to have to, if we're going to do this, like, and I thought she was going to literally like, let her just stab her eye out right there, which would have been wild. But that aside, that was a dumb assumption because I know they would never put a freaking eye patch on two of their characters. Um, But I want to say the thing that you texted earlier, Kyle, I think it's interesting enough that we should just bring it up, even though it's bullshit about Azor's eyes prophecy with this. Oh, yeah, because that that's really fun theory, but I doubt it's obviously not going to be 
Like, I guess it kind of could be true. I don't know. You, you just explain it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just such a stretch because only because they completely abandoned the whole idea of the Azura High or Azura's Eye, whatever you would, my favorite, Edric, oh, Edric Storm Chaser. But um, that whole theory kind of feels like it got bounced completely. Although the theory is that the hero that's going to come save everyone has a sword Lightbringer. Anyone who watched Game of Thrones knows that Stannis the Manus thinks that he has it because of Melisandre and his glowing blade. But I don't know. I mean, the thing behind it is that it's supposed to draw blood of like your lover is like the last step. And then after you pull it out of your lover, then it becomes this blade. And it's just such an unbelievable stretch to take from this scene, especially the way that it's done to that. I mean, like people were saying people were very adamant about like mentioning that there was no blood on the blade afterwards. So people were thinking like, oh, like again, like some type of magical property type stuff. I just I don't think that there's any way <laughs> they're going to try to touch that. I know we've kind of gotten the ick multiple times of them bringing up the whole Aegon prophecy, all that kind of stuff. I don't think they would take it that far. Well, this was the best use of the dagger of the entire show, in my opinion, because oh, of the sure. lack of conversation around it. But the reason I like it so much is because that that would just be such a good George R. R. Martin twist. It, it can't be a thing because he didn't write enough of the House of the Dragon for something that important to be explained in that way. But it's basically just Dumbledore's wand getting, you know, uh, Expelliarmus from by Malfoy. And then you think it's Snape. It's basically the same kind of situational twist. Yeah. So I just latched onto it when you texted us that because i thought it would be very interesting but it, it's obviously not going to be a thing it's just cool head yeah. canon. and it also just does not happen in the books allison does yeah. not cut yeah. Rhaenyra with the dagger at any point although it's better than the books because this was fantastic television really good mm-hmm. um so I'm we kind of the, wrap yeah. yeah wrap this scene up a little bit just aiming just continuing his meteoric rise up, I'm sure, a lot of people's character rankings where he ends it all with kind of honestly diffuses the situation where he's like, I'm like, don't mourn me, mother. I may have lost an eye, but I gained a dragon. It's like, dude, this dude's ready for it. He is absolutely ready for the smoke now, no matter what. He is just he's in it. He's no longer this bullied kid. He rides the biggest dragon in the world. He just fucking got his eye cut out and he's not even crying anymore. He is just ready to take on the world. That was fantastic. That moment. Yeah. And when he says that, Otto's like this in the back. He's like, <laughs> he's like, you did? Yeah, it's like a small little fist pump. He's like, my man. <laughs> that, he's everything he wants Aegon to be and yes. is not. But that brings us to the next scene where he's just like so proud of Allison. Even when she acts the fuck up, he's like, damn, girl, I didn't know you had it in you. Yeah, right. She's like, oh, my God, like, oh, he comes in and she's like, I'm sorry. Like, go ahead. Say it like, you know, I embarrass myself, the family, all this kind of shit. And he's just like slow clap. He's like, let's go, girl. He basically yeah. just says, I didn't know you can play the Game of Thrones that well. Well, fuck, yeah, you're on the squad now. Like, that's yeah. just how that conversation goes. And it's awesome because this this episode was just amazing at building up this green versus black. And I'm starting to finally accept the green wedding now because of this shit. So it's starting to be a lot better for me because of scenes like this, where we were just really, truly setting up the sides. Yeah. I mean, it literally at the end of the last scene in the great hall is like almost the sides, like Damon steps next to Rhaenyra. And then Kristen Cole is standing there, picking up the dagger next to Allison, who's hugging Aemon and Aegon's there. And it's like, it's they're They're literally almost drawing a battle line in the middle of the hall. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. But also, I just think it's this is it's nice to get Otto like because before it's like, you know, you got to train Aegon to be air. You got it's, it's kind of doesn't feel as like intense and like 
malicious anti Rhaenyra as it is here, where he even even anti Viserys because he's like, now you see Rhaenyra for what she is, the product of the king's stubbornness. Like he is saying that Rhaenyra is this way, this negative stuff about her is because of the king. And then he kind of reiterates the advice that he gave her after Queen Emma died of like, go to him, console him, blah, blah, blah. Like it'll all work out in the end. Damn. Ah, dude, what a player. I mean, I, I'm not the biggest fan of him because, you know, I'm, I'm probably team black at this point, pretty much solidifying <laughs> it. But I mean, what a guy, what an adversary. Mm-hmm. So we get now the next day. And this is again of like more towards the creed like the blade was clean the maester even says here as he's patching up rhaenyra which you want to talk about gratuitous shot i mean we did not really need to watch her get patched up but i guess it is what it is and he says like valyrian steel cuts so clean like i it won't get infected or anything like i wouldn't even worry about it um and we get this very nice talk between rhaenyra and laenor continuing that we were kind of searching for answers last episode we got some on the beach with daemon and i feel like we got even more here in this scene where they're kind of letting it all out and having this very candid, nice conversation about their marriage and the past 10 years. Rhaenyra sums it up so well that Lenor just has a good heart. And even in this scene, he's done. He says, like, I, I want to recommit myself to you. And all I want to care about is preparing you for the ascension to the throne, which is an epic line in itself. But it was cool that even though Lenor gets an even happier ending for himself, I guess, that he was willing to do this because he's just as a front to back great character, like good human, I, would, I should say. He's always down to do his own duties. He's fucking around for a little bit, but he's ready to get back on track and he gets set free. But I, it, it was just funny because I'm sure Rhaenyra's facial reactions were the opposite of what he was thinking because she was like laughing along with him. Um, and that that was great. But then when he starts saying the things that she wanted to hear, before Damon got there, she just like her face drops. She's like, oh, well, kind of wants you out, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Rhaenyra fucking ally. He's like, I hate the gods for making me this way. And she's like, I don't mm-hmm. dude, you're a great dude. Are you kidding me? I'm like fucking ally, baby. She's a queer yeah. icon. Rhaenyra, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. Uh, and me yeah. kind of reading too much probably into it. I like that when she says like, you're an honorable man with a good heart. And that's a rare thing these days, whatever she says. My headcanon is that she was totally thinking about Kristen Cole as she was saying that. Like, he obviously is the anti of that. He's, in her mind, not an honorable man at all, and he does not have a good heart. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, he dealt with being, you know, spurned by Rhaenyra in, in a certain way. Obviously, way less graciously than we will find Lenor acting. And uh, I think that, I mean, it's pretty perfect here that they kind of, they do laugh about the arrangement that they made about when they talked on the beach all those years ago of how they'll have their fun, whatever. And I personally, I loved just seeing Emma's Rhaenyra laughing. I just thought that expression on her face, like literally made me smile. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. was just like, honestly, like I was so unexpectedly like kind of emotional, not emotional, like crying emotional, but like it literally hit me. I was like, well, like that is just actually kind of cool to see. And then, like you said, Lenor is committing himself and he, I love just what he says to her, like, you deserve better than what I've been. You deserve a husband. And I think that was the perfect way to leave that scene off, knowing mm-hmm. now what we know in that, I guess it seems like they hatched the plan together, which then she brings to Damon is yeah. kind of the way I interpret it on my second watch. And I think that's even better that way that Lenor was legitimately involved in creating it versus like they brought it to him and were like, do you want to do this? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the way I'm going to take it. 
Yeah. All right. So we, after Rhaenyra and Lenor have a nice chat and they're kind of laughing, we go to our boy Viserys just struggling in this carriage um, and just continuing this theme with him of just Allison is trying to apologize. And he is just like, dude, I, I'm like about to die. Like, I don't care. <laughs> That's kind of how he's dealing with a lot of things. He just is waving something off that is just inconvenient to him. And so now we get the, not the reintroduction, but we get our first real scene again of our boy, Lionel Strong, the clubfoot on the, uh, on the boat as, uh, as they're kind of sailing away from Driftmark. So the greens are now leaving and he pretty much says to her, like, you want an eye? Like, I'll get you an eye lickety split. You heard? Like, just (laughs) let me know and I will have that thing for you in King's Landing tomorrow. And she's just like, nah, but I will keep you on speed dial because I'm a ninja in the future. And the little fucking smirk that he has, like, he's just like bobbing and he's just like smiling off into the distance. He is such a little motherfucker. Yeah. Earlier in the episode when Kristen's like, hey, Lash has been staring at you pretty unabashedly this entire time. <laughs> like, and, and they p- pan over to him. He's just like. <laughs> yeah, right. He's just there looking, dude. <laughs> Yeah, he's such a cre- so, also. I think good symbolism in that scene too is when it's Helena talking with she has the spider and she's saying all this shit, and then as she kills the spider, it's Laris's face is on the screen, and I thought that was because we've talked about Varys and Littlefinger kind of uh, comparisons to him. I thought that felt like a wink almost at the audience. True, cool. and um, is is his thing like is he just down to be the servant so he can pull favors later, or is he partially like just attracted to her? Cause that's the vibe I'm getting a little bit. Oh, I thought like, you said like, he be- just, he just likes fucking like torturing people and shit. I think it's all oh. of the above. <laughs> I think he's yeah, just I mean, into all of it. Too. Yeah. He's just kind of in his element right now. Okay. I didn't know it, if you guys caught like any, like, is he creepily into her? I'm sure he's attracted to her. Well, yeah. But, but also I feel like he's smart enough to know that that's like way above his station. Okay. Cause he said before, like, you know, when we first meet him, we're like, when you're not invited to speak, you learn how to observe. And I feel like he, that's kind of him like signaling that he knows kind of a general where his position's at and the way that he's going to come up in the world is not fucking the queen. It's doing crazy shit for the queen. Yeah. 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 All right. right, I've seen you, right? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, we're getting a lot of stuff happens very quickly in these last, um, these last few, I guess, minutes of the episode. So we get uh, an unexpected proposal in this episode, uh, Rhaenyra proposes to Damon in High Valyrian, which I thought was great that she says all of it in High Valyrian, where she's like, I can't beat the Greens alone, like Kathleen has said before. You'll strengthen my claim, like Kathleen also said before. And I just like that he answers in the common tongue. I like how he's done that to her before, too, where she says something to him in High Valyrian, and then he just answers in the common tongue. And mm-hmm. I, it's just he's just kind of like, we can't do that while Laner's alive. And she says, I know. And I actually like that his face looks a little troubled where he's like, what are you fucking signing me up for here, girl? Like, that is a lot to bite off and chew. Mm-hmm. I love how much weight there is on saying, I need you on my side, Damon. Just because if you're going to go to war with Otto, you don't really know uh, Laris is involved too. But Allison, like all of their kids, that whole side, that's a powerful side. I'm taking that side every day of the week against Rhaenyra and her kids. But then you add Damon into the mix. It's just the way he says that I need you against the, the way she said that I need you against the greens. I need you on my side. Cause I would feel like that's the best resource ever. Like, yeah, Damon's on my side. He's first pick right in the yeah. volleyball game. Hey, I'm picking him. Probably. Yeah. Him and, and yeah. Caraxus as like adult 
like riders and things like that for sure. Vagar is yeah. is up there just cuz I mean, like Otto said Vagar is worth a thousand eyeballs. So Vagar would probably be a second mm-hmm. pick, but yeah, Damon's just the guy also and he's willing to do what it takes. He's not afraid. And he doesn't need to send people out to do it like Larry Strong. He'll fucking show up on your doorstep himself. <laughs> like, what's up? Good morning, motherfucker. Here's a rock to your face. <laughs> so, yeah, Literally. I would definitely rather have Damon. So we get the the kind of natural progression from that scene of them saying, we got to do something about Lenor. And it's purposely built like this. But Damon approaches Carl with a proposition that will pay him well, which happens to just be a quick death with witnesses. And honestly, looking back at the scene, watching the second time, like he gave him no instruction. He was just like a quick death with witnesses. And that was it. And I'm assuming that Carl talked to Lenor about it afterwards to like get the actual details of what he was supposed to do. Because Damon literally just walks away. Totally. Yeah, which I thought was really funny to think about. But Damon does drop the line that like you're you have like a peasant's purse with a Lord's taste pulled straight out of the books. In the books, Carl actually does kill Lenor. Oh, wow. And Mushroom, our favorite uh, primary source or secondary source for the Fire and Blood books, he says that his take, he was the one that said that Damon paid him to do it and then ended up killing Carl himself to kind of, you know, reduce the possibility that all of that got out there. And they said that there's some kind of credit to that claim because Carl was known as being a gambler with a lord's taste on a peasant's purse. So ripped right out of that i thought that they're just they're pulling what they need to pull like directly like word for word and also changing some things that need to be changed i said doesn't that guy look familiar when we saw him last episode and nothing clicked for either of you yet because like no. I, I am shocked absolutely he reminds shocked. me what who he reminds me of is which is like so random is the guy from the food fighters and the magicians like he reminds me of that guy, which because I'm rewatching the magicians, he's the first one that pops up. Who who is he? Tell so me. I'm so mad at us, honestly. So fucking mad because us three, we have podcasted on a show that he was a absolute main character on. And by main character, secondary main character. But I knew every time I was Maybe looking cursed. at this guy, I was like, why do I freaking know this guy's face? And the don't say why no to herb. No, nope, not one. Okay. No, 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 no. Yeah, I was going to say. Out the window. <laughs> we podcasted on this show with Jimmy and it was us for Carnival Kathleen's- Row. Yes. Carnival Row. It's Jonah. It's Jonah. The kid who is it's it's the main kid. Oh, wow. Who, who gets kidnapped. Yeah. And- yeah. 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 That? Yeah. The politician's son. Yeah. Wow. He's like this. It's unbelievable that we didn't pick that up as. Well, I mean, they've taken forever to fucking put out season two. So That's pardon true. me That's for true. forgetting what the fuck happened in season one. <laughs> He's oh just like, God, the, yeah, right. Yeah, that's crazy. That so obvious. I would have never guessed that. I just can't believe that all three of us forgot. Oh, my exactly. God. Yeah. yeah. Wow. He has such yeah, a distinct yeah. nose and face. Wow. <laughs> and it's funny because his mom was actually a Martell. Oh, that's so true. Well, technically yeah. not. She was a sand, but. Okay, true, true, true. She was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, shit. She I was riding about though. that show. Yeah, well, again, it's been fucking forever since, since they put it out. All I'm right. just happy he's getting work because you know Carnival yeah. slaps. Very true. I mean, he <laughs> fucking is on a hiatus on that show, so he needs some work. Goddamn. Yeah. We'll Third time, I'll take too. a dump on them. All right, so we now get kind of uh, scenes in succession that are being talked over, almost narrated over with Damon and Rhaenyra. So I'll just say what Damon and Rhaenyra were saying 
is that the Damon's kind of flipping now to counselor mode. He's telling Rhaenyra wh- how things need to be, what it's going to be like when she's queen. She needs to instill some level of fear in people. That's totally a Damon perspective to have. And then they're also discussing what they're going to do with Lenor, how the realm will end up whispering how they were involved. They'll know they didn't do it, but the illusion that they did will create this level of fear in everyone around them that, oh shit, these motherfuckers are for real and literally will not, like, they can't be fucked with. So good. So what's happening is that Damon kills a serving man. Carl and Lenor get in this fight in the hall because Carl, quote unquote, is upset that he is always looked down upon by Lenor. And then we have Corliss and Rainey's finding Lenor in the fireplace, which we now know at the end of the episode is actually the serving man that Damon killed. They used his body, threw it in the fire so it would not be recognizable. Very smart. And then we have fucking – and this is was honestly crazy to me that they showed this in this episode. But Damon and Rhaenyra, like, get married. Like, they propose, they betroth themselves, and then they get married in the same episode, um, which – for me, I thought it was crazy, especially, I mean, for the kids. What a wild ride for their children. Because mm-hmm. their children were there as, like, witnesses. So, like, Jesus Christ, what a fucking day for them. <laughs> what? I'm just curious. Dude, that was if you a guys crazy were... ceremony. Yeah, I mean, like, all also. The blood yeah. passing back and forth. Comments on the ceremony and then just on the idea of them getting married. Literally, I guess, the day, the same day that both of their, they buried Damon's wife and then Rhaenyra's husband died. I think that aids in there wanting to be some like fear and conspiracy around the lane or of it all because they want some like clout, right? They want a little bit of clout, but like some deniability to it as well, like a little mix. I was down for it. I knew there was going to be another uh, wedding just because Miguel, I was listening to a podcast with Miguel on it and he said, there's another wedding, but I won't spoil it for you or something mm-hmm. like that. So I knew there was going to be another one. Wasn't expecting it to be this soon. I thought maybe it'd be next episode, but there's such a time jump that they kind of had to get it done right now. But yeah, that felt like a very Targaryen wedding, like all the blood and like in the behind the scenes, they talk about there, there maybe isn't that much detailed around what it would be. So like they just kind of made it like tribal like and then like the, the outfits were very like old school kimono type thing so they put so much effort into this fucking show when i watch the behind the scenes my brain explodes i'm like how does anyone make any money on this you spend billions <laughs> of dollars to make one episode this is insane hbo is so good at it man we've seen some yeah. shows and i in general enjoyed wheel of time i guess you could say but it's just so not even in the same stratosphere as this show. I think I haven't seen any Rings of Power yet. I've heard it's good, but it's, I've also heard it's, again, not even close to what HBO is putting out there in these fantasy adaptations. It's just literally unreal at how good they are at it. Yeah. It's it's the peak of peak. Like we're we're there. We're living in it. We're going to look back. Oh, remember the good days of season one of House of the Dragon? It was so <laughs> fucking good. Yeah. And we didn't even get to the best three episodes because it's going to banger after banger after banger. Yeah. yeah, and I guess, I mean, we talked about it. Everyone who watched the episode knows. Lanor's alive. He's super bald. Him and Carl are off to Essos. I saw this comment online that I wrote down since I wanted to say it because it's a great take in that Carl got exactly what Kristen Cole wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, which is just funny. So, you know, another fuck you to Kristen Cole, our boy. Um, <laughs> and I just think, Luke, with that take too, 
I'm just interested what you were saying about thinking back on the good old days. I'm just reading such mixed takes of some people saying like, it's so boring and things are moving so slow. And some people saying like, oh my God, things are happening so fast and they're just skipping so much time. And I don't know any of these characters. And I'm just curious, obviously you guys are enjoying the show, but just what your thoughts are on, on both of those things. I think it's both of those, but in positive ways, not so boring <laughs> and it's slow. It's like, oh, they're so meticulously planned. Like everything yeah. is a slow burn and then everything's going so fast, like payoff after payoff after character development. I think it's just it's ridiculous if you're even going to try and tell me that season one of Game of Thrones was better than this because I lived that shit. It was not nobody I knew in the world talked about Game of Thrones until season three Red Wedding season came a thing like I was one of the early adopters and I didn't even like I didn't. I have anybody to talk about it with. I didn't, people just didn't genuinely like it that much because it didn't have that following yet. But like, this is as, as good of a season one as you could pretty much hope for, especially after the season eight blunder, which is like one of the worst things ever. Like this yeah. is, this is amazing. I don't, I don't think, I think people are complaining because you know, whatever you put out, someone's going to be hating on it, but I've seen the first episode of rings of power and Alki has watched all of it. And he says like, they're not even remotely in the same yeah. level. And they're also throwing way more cash at that show too. So, I mean, it, it doesn't even come down to how much money it's just HBO is just, they're just mm -hmm. better. That's just, that's yeah. just where it is right now. They're just better. I also thought it was funny reading someone being like, you know, season one of game of Thrones, like the pilot of game of Thrones was so much better because immediately it was like, there's 12 characters that are interesting. And I feel like going back to when it was actually happening and people getting into the show, like everyone was like, there's too many characters in the beginning of the show. Like, I don't know who anyone is or what anyone's about. So to say that like a, off the bat of Game of Thrones, everyone was interesting is an insane take to me. No, it's a total retcon of the general narrative of Game yeah. of Thrones. And I don't know why it's happening. I guess it's happening because of the backlash of like, oh, like you need to have haters for a show and that they use that as an excuse. It's a total retcon. People did not really, really like Game of Thrones until it became a mega show and was popular and was everywhere and yeah. then everyone realized how good the writing was and like yeah so it's weird yeah okay and one last little funny thing i have before if we want to get into talking about if we had anyone has hot takes or mvp type of stuff we've done every episode is that again i saw this online and it was too good not to share is that jace's episode summarized is that he attended his aunt's funeral where he can't act like his own parent died his cousin attacks his other cousins and little brother he gets called a bastard. His little brother stabs his cousin's eye out. His step-grandmom tries to kill his mom or take his brother's <laughs> eye out. His fake dad dies, and his mom marries his uncle. And that's all in one day. <laughs> that's one day. Jesus he's just getting ready to be king. Viserys is probably like, yeah, bro. Exactly. This is what it's like, baby. This is what it's like. It's <laughs> incredible. Yeah, he's like, at least your brother isn't a fucking maniac like my brother. <laughs> And All right, yeah. are out. Yeah, that's covering the episode. I don't know if I just loved the episode so much that I don't even know if I could generate. I guess the hot take looking at uh, the internet is that I fucking love Amond. I thought this was an amazing Amond episode, and I'm fully in on the character. I'm excited for more. Yeah, I mean, I don't agree with him morally on some things, but I mean, I'll be damned if he isn't going to be a boss. Yeah, Do you want me to go? my hot take was. I didn't have one either, but I was going to say I did not like Amond, but in a way, <laughs> I love that. In a way where it's like, 
he's leaning more Joffrey than he is Allison where I'm or Otto or someone where I'm like, damn, I love watching them be bad or be annoying or be like crazy and maniacal and shit like that. Maybe not maniacal, but like whatever. But like he's leaning more towards Joffrey, but I still like watching him. Like, obviously, he's just a kid. Mm -hmm. We'll see. Next episode, he's probably going to be even more of a dick. So we'll see when we get there. But I don't really have a hot take other than that. Um. I think Eamon's the best. I love him so much already. <laughs> I feel like just because of what his projectory in my mind is, and he's baby monk, like he's going to be one of my favorite characters for sure. Uh, my hot take, which, you know, I don't think it's that hot, but I'll say it anyway, is this whole um, team green versus team black thing. I love the concept so freaking much, but I'm worried that what's going to happen with this show specifically because of Rhaenyra and I guess pot partly because of Damon is it's basically going to be good versus evil. Like everyone is going to be on team black and that's what I want them to kind of see if they can avoid where they can truly make it a team green versus team black. Cause right now, anyone I talk to that's watched the show is team black. I don't, I don't think anybody is team green. You really can't be, especially after, after the Allison situation there, but I think team green has more interesting characters and I want them to be able to, to be a side that isn't seemed as evil. That's that's kind of where I just want oh, it to be sure. more balanced than it is just totally like, oh yeah, like this is our Daenerys and Damon, like Damon plus Rhaenyra is our Daenerys, basically. I don't want it to just be like everybody on that side. That's all the, I that's all the my greens are. are out there, man. They're on the internet and they're they are defending the hell are fun, out of man. I just yeah. I mean it's it's kind of fun to see. It's also funny. I just love the fact that people get that into it, like legitimate arguments about the greens and the blacks just kind of makes me laugh but hey i mean that's yeah. what when you like something enough mm-hmm. and you're a little crazy enough you'll get into it what's the stranger on the internet about it Luke and i'll do um, I'll, yeah and or mvp and lvp yeah yeah <laughs> top and bottom <laughs> um i don't have anything else to add for mvp it's Eamon. this was him because before this episode, I didn't care at all about him. And now I think he's going to be very interesting. So he's my MVP and my LVP, because I think this is my favorite episode of this, of the season so far. I couldn't really pick one. No one stood out, obviously. So I'm just going to say the Lanor fake out death plotters collectively for making mom and dad cry and think they lost at their second child in the same episode, because that was really rough to watch. Thankfully, they didn't linger on it because Rainey's has suffered a lot. Yeah, I'll go next. My top is going to be actually Damon. I'll pivot off of Eamon. I think Damon, we've really seen him in his in terms of his expectations of his life suffer over the past. However long things have really not gone his way. While I think they really turned around for our boy this episode. I think he's now kind of in the driver's seat of his life again. And, you know, he's now married to the, the heir to the Iron Throne. So he's on a big come up. And my LVP is going to be everyone in this show's parenting skills this episode <laughs> because they were on full display of just infecting their children with their own issues. And now it's been officially passed down to all of their kids of just the fact that their parents hate each other. Yep. Mm-hmm. My MVP is going to be Rhaenyra, mostly because this episode was so good that it's hard to choose, but I just want to reiterate I think Emma is absolutely crushing Rhaenyra. They're so captivating as Rhaenyra. I am so in. I loved Millie as well. 
But there's something about Emma that is like, yeah, they're meant to play this role. It's so fucking good. And then my LVP is Sir Kristen. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one, too. I would even just even lump like all of the Kingsguard into that because it was an absolutely horrific showing from them. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> I was I was going to make my hot take that this was Kristen Cole's best episode because it was so much less bad than the last. <laughs> yeah, I was I was searching for a Kristen Cole one, but it, it, it would get to the point of uh, of parody at that point, and I don't want to be that, yeah. so I kept it real. <laughs> And we're going to add this last just round the horn one second answer. Uh, We're going to add a pulse check here of everybody team green or team black after that episode. And starting now, we're all obviously admitting team black. And I'm just curious if they can sway any of us three after any of these next three episodes. So we'll just have that be a, a quick sign off there. Yeah, for sure. And then our official sign off that our. Our overlord James makes us do at the end of these episodes. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for sticking around for the whole thing. If you like what you heard and you were not subscribed to any of our services that you're currently listening on, please subscribe so you get all of the episodes and any other updates. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bingetown TV. Uh, we like to stay fairly active and kind of retweet things and talk, get in discussions with people, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. We do have a Patreon if you're feeling extra, extra, extra generous and would like to throw us some coinage. Uh, Patreon.com slash Bingetown TV if you are feeling so kind. And we're covering a lot of stuff at the moment. I mean, Vampire Academy has been very successful. New Peacock show. Um, we actually just had a recent interview with someone from the cast, Janetta Kaiser. So definitely if you're a Vampire Academy fan, check out the pod, check out the interview. Rick and Morty episode season six is coming out. It's been fantastic. We've been covering that. And we got a lot of stuff coming down the pipe as well because we are big Halloween time fans. So just, you know, subscribe, like I said at the beginning of this, and you won't miss any of that stuff. And that's all I got. Love y'all. Love you too. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 